Today we talk about work. Yeah. Ah, yeah. What's your problem? Don't you know that we are made to work? Well, I hope to change your mind in the next 30 minutes. We are made to work. Pastor Matt last week uh, shared how when we work, we work for one boss. At the end of the day, we work for the glory of the Lord. That when we work, when we put our skills, gifts, talents, and resources, when we put those things to work, we do it for the glory of God. And he shared with us last week a little bit about the story arc of the universe. I want to share the story of the universe with you today and help us connect our work to that grand story. The story arc of the universe is this. In fact, we could put it up here on the screen. It's in four parts. Creation, fall, or do we have the image? It should say creation, fall, redemption. What's the last one? restoration. That if you read through the scriptures, it shows us that the story of the cosmos is creation. God created the heavens and the earth. We sang about it a moment ago. He spoke the universe into being. But then in Genesis 3, we find that people rebelled against God, and so you have the fall. And then, many years later, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, redeemed us. That's what the gospel is all about. And he promised that one day he would return again and restore all that is broken. I'm going to read a variety of texts today. Uh, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read parts of Genesis 1 and 2 and parts of the book of Revelation 21 and 22. And so it's going to be a little bit difficult to follow along if you have your uh, paper Bible or a digital Bible in front of you. So we're going to put it up here on the screen. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to notice some things. I want you to notice how frequently or how the word work shows up or created or creation shows up. I want you to look also at the word glory. Find uh, the word glory in this reading. Third, the word, and here we go, dominion. Doesn't that sound like a heavy metal band from the 80s? Hmm? Yeah, kind of does, right? Like, we are dominion! Wow! Look for the word dominion. And then finally, the word reign. Reign. Work, glory, dominion, and reign. Here we go. I'm going to read. You can follow along up here on the screen. And by the way, uh, if you would like to have these uh, texts, I'll be posting them uh, on our sermon's uh, webpage, which in a moment it'll come up there on the screen. But right now, I'm going to read. And I want you to find those words, work or creation, created, glory, dominion, and reign. Here we go. You guys ready? Mm. You guys ready? Okay, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. 
And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. And then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. And I saw no temple, now we're in Revelation 21, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. Verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. This is creation and restoration. Genesis 1 and 2, and Revelation 21 and 22. What does this have to do with work? I'm glad you asked. We are, in the text, we find that we are created by a creator to work. We are God's workmanship meant for work. We are God's creation built in the image and likeness of God, therefore we are also creating creatures. You with me on that? We as created beings are built in the image of our creator, and our creator works. You saw it in the text that God gets his hands into the dirt to form people. He gets his hands dirty in his work. You are made, the scripture says that you are, yes you, you are made in the image and likeness of God. Which means, as we talked about in our last sermon series, that you have within you inherent dignity, worth, and value. But moreover, as an image bearer of God, you reflect God things. Being made in the image of God means that when people look at you, they catch a glimpse of how God is. And one of the most provocative, vivid ways that you showcase the nature of your creator is through your work, through how it is that you create, how it is that you put your skills, gifts, talents, and resources to use. 
Now, this may be striking to many of us because we tend to, as people, divide Sunday from Monday. Y'all with me? Now, I got to work on Sundays. But luckily for me, that's the only day I work. Just sit around reading the Bible all the rest of the time. The rest of you, you know, you got to wake up on Monday. You got to go to work. Some of you are going to be going to work right after this because you, like me, have to work on Sundays. And what we tend to do is separate. We say what happens on Sunday is sacred, but that world I live in and work in over here is called what? The secular world. There's the sacred world, and then there's the what? Secular world. But riddle me this, Batman. In Genesis 1 and 2, where was that divide? That idea that there's sacred over here, my, what I do on Sunday is sacred, and then what I do over here in my work is somehow secular, that, I don't know where that comes from. It does not come from the scriptures. For the scriptures say that the whole universe is under the dominion of Jesus Christ. One author puts it this way, that there is not one square inch that does not belong to Jesus. Therefore, our work is in the sacred realm. It is It is within God's sacred creation. John Stott says this. He's a a theologian from Britain, so he sounds really cool when he talks. I'm not going to try to mimic that, but I will read John Stott when he says that the divorce of sacred from secular in church history has been disastrous. If we are Christians... Everything we do, however secular it may seem, like shopping or cooking or adding up figures in the office, etc., is religious in the sense that it is done in God's presence and according to God's will. Our work is sacred to God. Your work is sacred to God. The work I do is no more sacred, hear me, than the work you do. So it's, it's funny. We call what I do ministry. But you do that too. Your work, your use of your skills, gifts, talents, and resources bless other people. Dorothy Sayers, who was an author in the uh, mid-1900s, she also British. I'm not just going to quote British people, so. But, but you know what? I might one of these days, and there's no pro- I have no problem with that. Dorothy Sayers says this. That Christians must revive a centuries-old view of humankind as made in the image of God, listen, the eternal craftsman. And of work as a source of fulfillment and blessing, not as a necessary drudgery to be undergone for the purpose of making money. But as a way of life in which the nature of mankind should find its proper exercise and delight and so fulfill itself to the glory of God. Now, here's what she's she's going to criticize the church here in a minute. The church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to get drunk and disorderly in his leisurely hours and to come to church every Sunday. That's usually what she critiques the church saying, usually what the church says to the carpenter is, don't get drunk when you're off of work, and I'll see you on Sunday. What the church should be telling this carpenter is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. 
How many of you have ever been blessed by a table? You set your meals on it, you set your books on it to read. You think about tables in general. How do we do surgery? We do it on a platform. Usually it's a bed, but oftentimes we will put someone on what's called the operating. Now, if the craftsman made poor tables and they collapsed under the weight of our food or our books or the patient, would that be a blessing or a curse? Would that be a benefit? No. You see, the craftsman blesses the user by making a good table. And so it is that the divide of sacred and secular, it's a misunderstanding of the nature of God's dominion over all of the earth. God gets his hands dirty. He works. You know what the oldest profession is? He says, coyly, gardening. See, I don't know what you guys were thinking. The world's oldest profession is gardening. For God takes people and puts them in the garden to do what? Work it and keep it. God says to people, take these raw elements of the created order and use them to bless others. Gardening is where we most vividly see, perhaps, God at work. See, we in our culture, we look down on landscapers. But have you ever paused to watch a landscaper work and reflect on the glory of God as the first gardener? We are made to work. There's this biblical word called stewardship. It means that God gives us stuff and then we steward those things. We're not the owner of the stuff. We're to steward the stuff, right? So a lot of times we talk about stewardship when it talks about money, right? That God gives us money and we are to be good stewards of that money. But we, with this universe, we are called to be good stewards of the raw materials of the universe to use them, applying our skills, gifts, talents, applying them in a productive manner, taking the raw elements of the universe to work and bless others. That's what we're called to do. That is the nature of work. See, we all think in this culture that work is about money and status. But you see here in creation, fall, redemption, restoration, that in creation, God calls us and made us to work. But not only that, and if, you're, if you are prepared, if you are ready, I would like to blow your mind. Okay? So, here we go. This blew my mind when I came to see this. Now, God creates the universe. Am I right? Says it in the Bible, at least. He speaks the universe into existence, but then he gets his hands dirty and he forms the garden and he forms people. And who formed the world of nature which provides the raw material for the physical sciences? Who formed the universe of human interaction which is the raw material of politics, economics, sociology, and history? Who is the source of all harmony, form, and narrative pattern which is the raw materials for art? 
Who is the source of the human mind, which is the raw material for philosophy and psychology, and who, moment by moment, maintains the connection between our minds and the world beyond our minds? God did, and God does. At least that's what Mark Knoll, a non-British author, says. God created the raw materials of the, you'll notice in the text, he didn't make the entire cosmos as the garden. Did you guys notice that? He creates the cosmos, and it's all raw, but then he specifically makes a small space, the garden, and then he tells people, take the raw elements and make out there look like in here. You with me? When we work, we are gardening. We are taking the raw elements that God has created And this is, by the way, work exists before sin enters into the world. Now, what is the ultimate end of our work? Let me ask it another way. Will we work eternally? I want to argue that we will. Campbell, you're killing me, right? I know we're tired. I know it's the weekend. Oh, my goodness. But hold on now. Hold on, I, th- I, think, I think you actually are going to be glad about this. Now, I, I will say this, uh, that God does say uh, that he will come one day to restore that which is broken. So here's the story arc of the Bible. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation, God creates. Fall, people rebel. Redemption, God redeems. Restoration, God makes all things that are broken whole again. And we live in a moment between when Christ is redeemed and when Christ comes back to restore all that which is broken. But here's the interesting thing about the text. Remember the mind being blown thing? Here we go. I'm going to read to you again, out of the book of Revelation, uh, a little something. A little something. And I want to ask you if you notice a particular piece of landscaping as it describes what we call heaven or what some would call the eternal state. You with me? Here we go. I want you to see if you notice a little piece of landscaping, okay? You ready? Here we go. This is speaking of the new heavens and the new earth. Through the middle of, uh, excuse me, uh, then the angel, this is uh, Revelation 22, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. So you've got this giant city, Through it is this river, and on either side of the river, the tree of life. When was the last time we saw the tree of life? Garden of Eden. Now, here's here's the gem. God never looks at the Garden of Eden and says, I've made a huge mistake. God never looks at the created order and says, oops. He never looks at the created order and says, he never looks at the material universe and says, that's bad. You see, people rebelled against God. People made in the image and likeness of God. We rebelled against God. And so the earth currently is under a curse. But it is not inherently bad. And in Eden, God calls his creation to create. In Eden, God calls his workmanship to work, and in the restored Eden, we will work. In the book of Isaiah, it says that we will, in describing heaven, it says we will plant vineyards. Yes. 
Like, right? Like, are any wine country fans here? <laughs> like, what's, what's a wine thing? Sonoma, is that a place? Help me, you guys gotta help me out. I'm way out of my depth here. I'm an IPA guy. Sonoma, what's the other thing in California that's on fire? What's that? What is it? Napa. Yeah, Napa. Yeah. If we like Napa, we'll love heaven. <laughs> Who's going to plant those vineyards? The venters among us. We will use the raw elements of the created order to bring about blessing as we apply our skills, gifts, and talents. Hmm. We will work eternally. Now, I will say the type of work that we do may likely change. In fact, there will be no reason to have a pastor. And for those of us that are doctors, you'll have to find a new line of work. Lawyers, if any of them ever make it, <laughs> they'll have to find a new line of work. I mean, it was too easy. Guys, for those of us that practice law, I love you, but that was so easy, I had to. But painters, miners, poets, engineers, musicians, builders, carpenters, we will put God's glory on display through our work eternally. Now, that might be exhausting, because when we work now, our work works against us. Ooh. <clears throat> I know we don't do this here, but sometimes when a minister makes a point that you like, you say amen. Like, if you agree with it, you, we could try that. Like, sometimes, like tomorrow, our work will work against us. So, if we're a homemaker, and we got kids, and we, like, clean the table that the craftsmen made so wonderfully, and we leave the room, and our children are out of their cages, and we come back into the room, what has happened to the table? It's disappeared under a pile of Play-Doh and things that are sticky. Our work constantly is working against us. For those of us that uh, have grass in the Valley of the Sun, and we mow that lawn, and what happens after we mow the lawn? Gotta mow it again! And then there's weeds that come up, and then the sprinklers don't work, and there's little bald spots that you're embarrassed about, so you throw one of those outdoor rugs on it. But then that looks ridiculous. <laughs> and you think to yourself, why am I so ridiculous? I should just pave this whole thing. But then you rem remember, but I have a lawnmower. I need to put that to good use because I am made for work. But my work is working against me. The scripture says that God called thorns and thistles to rise out of the ground. And boy, oh boy, do you and I work among thorns and thistles. When the leader at the company decides kind of haphazardly to change course and nullify all of the work that you've done over the last three weeks, thorns and thistles. When you coach that employee for the fourth time over that one thing that they keep messing up and they continue to mess up, thorns and thistles. When there's a glitch in the system that you thought that you caught, thorns and thistles. When there's a glitch in your coworker, 
thorns and thistles, when the machinery breaks, when the vendor's late, when the client won't pay, when your deal gets undercut by competition, when your boss is aloof, when, they, when you input the numbers wrong, when you do the math wrong, when there's a labor shortage, when there's tax season. Thorns and thistles. And these are the consequences of our rebellion, the fall. You see, we, we think work sucks because all we focus on is the thorns and thistles. But we forget the way that God has made us so creatively to use our skills, gifts, and talents to take the raw materials that he's made and put them to use. Moreover, we experience the fall by making our job our identity. Now, uh, later in the book of Genesis, you'll see this uh, work project called the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel is bad, not because it's a work project, but because it's a work project meant to glorify the builder, primarily. In fact, in the text, it says, let's, let's build this thing so that we can be gods. And there are many of us who are pursuing our career or our work so that we can find value in ourselves. We can be gods. And so we should take healthy, righteous pride in our work. But if our position makes us prideful and arrogant, we may have an over-desire for our work. Let me ask you this. For those of you that maybe are thinking, oh, I don't know if I have that. If your, jo- if you, if you, if your job was taken away from you, how would that impact you? And I'm not talking about the financial concern or fear. I'm talking about how you value yourself. Do you look in the mirror and say, now I'm nobody? And that's whether we're a mom, a musician, or a mechanic. Now I do wanna say to those of us that are retired, Oh, what did I do right there? I did this. Retired. Uh, Most of the people I know that are retired are working more than they ever have before. So I don't know why we came up with that word, retired. They're just tired more. (laughs) And, And to homemakers, or those of us who, when we work, we aren't financially compensated. There's something funny in our culture where we have bought into the lie that our financial compensation for the work we do dictates the value of the work we do, and that's wrong. Let me do that one more time. We have bought into the lie that the financial compensation we receive for the work we do dictates the value of the work we do. But if you have been blessed by the work of a homemaker. I want you to think through what your life would be like. I know that's not all of us. Now, some of us grew up in, uh, in different types of scenarios, and so, but for those of us that grew up receiving blessing, if we've been blessed by the work done by a homemaker, just think through your life for a minute, how different it would be had that homemaker not used their gifts, talents, and resources to make home, or basically, like, you know, protect you, and care for you, and love you, shepherd you, and how much do homemakers get paid usually? Zero. And for those of us that are uh, 
retired. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tiptoe out on something, recognizing that I'm 36 years old and have no right to do it in and of myself. Can I do that? There is a biblical principle of rest, and we need to rest. Okay? You guys with me on that one? We do need to rest. Retirement is not found in the scripture. Now, hold, now pump the brakes. Don't get mad yet. Hold on. I see, I see. Don't, don't throw anything just yet. Hold on. The, the, Amer- the Western post-enlightenment view of retirement that I live for others for this season of my life, but now I've put in my time and everything exists for my pleasure, for my enjoyment, because I deserve it, that's not in the Bible. That's called selfishness. Now, is there a biblical call to rest? Yes, there is. But there is no biblical call to earning enough money so that one day it can be all about you. You with me on that one? Now, okay, I have no right to say that, but I just wanted to point out what the scripture teaches. Here's the other thing too, is this culture devalues our elders. The scriptures elevate the role of elders as teachers, as shepherds, and as mentors. In fact, the Bible even straight up says Now, this is the Bible talking. Old men, you can self-identify, whichever. (laughs) You invest in young men. And old women, again, Jesus talking. Not me, you self-identify. You invest in younger women. This is the Bible says it, straight up. So the idea that it's all about me, it's nowhere in the Bible, it's all about God, and God calls us to use our experience, our gifts, and the talents that he's given to us to invest in and serve others. And for those of us that are retired, I just want to encourage you to to look to what God is calling you to do in this season of life. And for those of us that are not yet retired, don't make that the goal of your life. To spend 10 years just focused on yourself. I'll tell you this much, I've done that, I did that early. I did my retirement phase early. I just, everything was about me, focused on me. It's not worth it. You'll find no joy. And one day, though our work works against us, one day Christ will return, making all that which is broken whole again. And we will plant vineyards, Isaiah says, not in vain. We will work not in vain. The work will no longer work against this. You know when you finish something that you've been working on for so long, the satisfaction and joy that comes out of that? Imagine experiencing that for an eternity in the presence of your creator. In the meantime, how do we find the power to wake up on Monday? You know, it's interesting. Uh, Jesus says crazy, crazy things all the time. One of the things he says, though, it's nuts. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. You guys ever heard that before? Help me out. You guys heard that? Yeah. So if you haven't heard it before, Jesus straight up said, love your neighbor as yourself. He also said crazier things like love your enemies, but we won't talk about that today. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> I, want you, I want you to now think about your work, again, whether that's, uh, whether that's a homemaker or an engineer or a doctor or as someone who does not have a stated profession, just investing relationally in people. I want you to think about your work, okay, as an act of love and a fulfillment of that command to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, it's intriguing to think about. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 25 says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you visited me. And the, the people said, when do we ever do that? He says, when you do this unto the least of my brothers, you do this unto me. But check this out. Where did the clothes come from? Where did the food come from? See, you can't feed someone without farmers doing their job. You with me? Like, you can't give someone bread to satiate their hunger without a baker who does their job well. And the baker making the bread is an act of love. See, we can't put love into action without people working. We can't clothe the naked without people who make clothes. So I want to do a little, I want to do a little something. This is, this is not my idea. This is, Martin Luther had this idea as well as a bunch of other people. He said this, that God provides the milk through the hands of the milkmaid. That when the milkmaid goes out to milk the cow, she is doing the work of God. God provides the milk through the hands of the milkmaid. Lee Hardy says this, vocation is the specific call. Our vocation is the specific call to love one's neighbor. So let's, let's, try, let's try this on for size. What do you say? Okay, next week's sermon is gonna be on responding in public settings and being secure in your identity in Christ to speak out in a church service. That's what we're gonna do next week. But until that day comes, here we go. For those of us that drove here or were driven here, can we give thanks for the gas station attendants who make sure that we have fuel for our vehicles? And the truck driver that drove that gas from the processing station to the place that we got the gas? And can we give thanks for the mechanics who make sure that our cars work? Can we give thanks to the tire companies that provide at a reasonable price circular rubber things that we put on our vehicles so they actually serve a purpose of transportation? Can we give thanks for the vendors who bring those tires from the factory to the market? Yes, we can. Can we give thanks for the inventors who continually work on making those things safer so that when we arrive, we all arrive? And the regulators, now hold on now, the regulators that compel them to do that well. Yes, we can give thanks. And can we give thanks for the investors who provided the financial capital to that startup company that designs tires? Yeah, we can give thanks, thanks for bankers. Many of us this evening will have dinner. If you've ever had dinner in your entire whole life, you can give thanks. And if you go out to a restaurant, you can give thanks to the server who brings the meal, to the chefs that pre prepared it, for the, the person who prepared that table. Have you ever been to a restaurant and they hadn't quite cleaned up the table yet? Are, are you glad 
for the people who prepare a place for you to eat, that do biological warfare against the germs that those filthy people that were sitting there last left on your table. They take that bleach and they clean that nice for you so you don't take on everything that the other person left for you. Can we give thanks for the dishwasher who cleaned the dishes so that we would not get sick? Can we give thanks for the delivery driver and the food supplier and the farmer who uses their land to produce crops so that we may eat and the seasonal laborer who picks those crops so that they can be put into a truck, processed and brought to market? Can we give thanks? Many of us will go home today and we will take a nap. Can we give thanks for the homemakers on our street who are raising the generation that will care for us through their work? Yes, we can. Can we give thanks for the people who built our home? Can we give thanks for the architects, the material suppliers, the designers and engineers who created the hammer and nails that allowed my home to be built and continues to stand to this day? Can we give thanks for the workshops and the welders and the grinders and the miners and the heavy machinery manufacturers that were able to extract ore, the raw elements of the earth, to form them into nails, to put them into the wood, raw elements of the earth, to create the home that I'm going to take a nap in today? Do you see the glory of God in the work around you? Here's what I would like you to do. I know y'all been checking your phones anyways, but now you're going to get pastoral permission. I want you to pull out your phones. And I want you to think about someone whose work has been a blessing to you. Could be a homemaker, could be an engineer, could be a musician, could be a coworker, could be a boss. I'm going to ask that you would text that person something to the tune of, hi. If they know you, you know, that's good. I am thankful for your work. Something to that tune. We're just going to do that right now. I know it's a little silent. It's a little awkward. Some of your phones are going to beep. No one cares. But I'll tell you what. Do you know how meaningful it is to hear from someone, your work is valuable to me? Would you do that now? I'm going to do it too. Practice what I preach. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to text my wife. It is good for us to be thankful and to see God's grace in the work around us. Uh, I want to encourage you, as a church family, we want, for the, we want you to see how your work is valuable. That's why we're hosting the Work is Worship conference that's coming up this Friday. Uh, but also, uh, I'll, I'll ask to put it up on the screen. Uh, we have uh, 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 some software called Right Now Media. It's internet. It's basically like Netflix. You can access that. And uh, when we put it up here on the screen, there'll be a, uh, 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 an email address. And if you'd like information on that, can we get that up on the screen? Um, 
It's uh, info at dsbc.church. There it is right there. And there's a variety of studies, video-based studies, about how we view our work as an act of worship. And there's anything from leadership development. So for those of you that are uh, in a workspace where uh, leadership development is important, you can use these videos free of charge to you. Uh, Desert Springs, we're footing the bill. Uh, if you just want to know more about like work-life balance, there's some, uh, some great... Um, Great stories there, but when you understand why we work, right, the why dictates the how. So why we work, we are made to work, and it is for the glory of God. And as you rise tomorrow, I would encourage you to be thankful for the work of others and to give thanks to God for how he has made himself known through that work.